Happy Father's Day to all of our dads. Can we just give it up for all of our dads here today? And we want to honor you today on this Father's Day. And here's the deal. In a world that really pushes men to the back of the line and really doesn't give men a voice, we just want to honor our dads here today, our fathers, and all the men here at Velocity Church. We're so grateful for all that you do and leading your families in the way of the Lord and pressing in week in and week out. And in this crazy world that we live in, right? But we've got dads and fathers who are raising their children, leading in their families, and it's so great to see. And let's just give it up for our dads one more time in here, just to show them honor, show them we love them. We're so grateful, and thank you for all that you do. And uh, my heart is a little broken. That Traeger's gone, guys. But you know what? You know what? Brad, God bless. You are, that's incredible. and so excited. We'll be over at your house uh, next Next week for some, uh, some brisket, some smoked chicken. That's, that's the, the deal there, right? It's, no, it's so incredible, man. So glad for that. And just excited to be here. How many of you guys are excited to be at church? Just glad to be here. Uh, we are uh, in Genesis. We've been in Genesis now for eight weeks. We've got two more weeks in the book of Genesis, and we're going to kick off into our At The Movie series that we've been talking about. So that's right around the corner, a couple more weeks in Genesis, but I've really enjoyed our time in this book. How many of you enjoyed your time just in the book of Genesis? It's just been a great to look back at Genesis and see that, you know, in Genesis, it's not just about what happened, but what still happens. Uh, it's not just what happened then, but it's what happens now. Uh, back in Genesis, we read that the hearts of people are just evil continually, and it's just this continuation of evil. And, um, you know, although we live in a world today in 2022 where externally we've made all of this great progress and we've done all this and that on the outside, but there's still evil that we have to deal with here and now today in the hearts of men. As a matter of fact, Jesus says that in the last days will be like the days of Noah. And uh, we're in the last days. We're living in the last days now. Um, and and, and uh, it, 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 Jesus says it'll be like the days of Noah, and men's hearts will grow cold in the last days. And it doesn't take you very long. You turn on the TV, turn on the news, or, you know, open up your smartphone and go to Facebook, social media, Instagram, and you start to just be, uh, see all of these different things that are happening all over the world, and you just go, wow, our world needs Jesus. And we've said this over and over, the theme of Genesis really is we need Jesus, the theme of God's word is that we need Jesus. Uh, we need a Lord and Savior. We couldn't do it on our own. A lot of people try to do it on, on their own. A lot of people want to try to attempt to, to do things on their own, but at the end of the day, we all need to submit to a holy, almighty God. That's Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, if you brought your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 7. We're going to, we've now led up to the flood. We're here, okay? Genesis 5, uh, it's the genealogy, 1,656 years of time. A lot of time goes by from Adam to Noah. And God is patient. How many of you know that God is patient? 1,656 years, that's a lot of time. And then Peter later will say that it was 120 years of time that goes by uh, that Noah actually has to build the ark. So God is still patient, 120 years. How many of you believe today God is patient with you? God is patient with me, right? God is patient with us. He's a merciful God, and he gives us the opportunity. 
But we read in Genesis 6-5 that it's just evil continually in the hearts of men. It's just continue. Everyone all the time is just doing evil. Everywhere, in everyone, all the time. And Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord. Noah is saved by God's grace. Noah finds favor in the eyes of the Lord, and, he, and God tells Noah, you need to build this ark. That's what we talked about a couple weeks ago, talked about last week. You need to build an ark, and God is very specific with how to build the ark. Very specific with how to build the ark, all the way down to the footage, the increments, how to do it, put a roof on it. You know, he's telling him, hey, you don't want to build this big ark and not put a roof on it because that thing's going to fill up with water and it's going to sink if you don't. God is very specific because he's very gracious and he's very loving. And so he tells Noah exactly how to do it. How many of you here today, you like biblical archaeology? You're like, man, I'm not a nerd like you, bro. I don't like that. That's like, I love to hear of the different, you know, finds and things like that. And, you know, some things... Uh, as, as archaeologists continue to dig, people often will reject God's word and say, oh, this isn't something that happened. Is that something that really happened? Is that a true historic event? And then archaeologists will continue to dig deeper and deeper and deeper, and then they end up finding it. And it's just the most incredible thing. And I, I love seeing things like that. I posted about a month or so back um, about the curse tablet, the ancient Hebrew curse tablet that was recently found. And it's just, it fascinates me, that kind of thing. Um, well, there is this, uh, on the eastern part of Turkey in 1951, um, they discovered this formation in the ground. As a matter of fact, I brought a picture here that uh, you can see there. This formation was discovered, and it caught their eye, and it caught their attention. And over the years, um, you know, as they continued to study and investigate this, they've actually found that geographically, right, this is where um, the Bible would actually have Noah's Ark somewhere in this area. This is near Mount Ararat, so geographically it's accurate. Um, keep, if you can keep going through this, the photo, Sam. As it continues to zoom in, just gives you a little context. This is just a Google Earth image shot. And here's one of the craziest parts is you can see in the formation it lines up to 300 cubits, 510 to 515 feet in length, which is absolutely incredible. Um, that, that fascinates me there. Sam, if you could go to the next picture, just want to show you this stuff because this is what they've actually found near the ark. So this is an ancient anchor stone uh, they've discovered fossilized rivet heads, man-made aluminum metal discovered at the site, uh, petrified wood timbers outside the ark. This over here, this is actually what you see in the image outside the ark are these vertical petrified wood timbers and then petrified wood up there, along with some other finds that they've actually found in this location. Here's the really crazy part about all of this. is scientists and archaeologists who have visited the site Christians and non-Christians have all concluded this is absolutely an ancient ship. There's no disagreement with that. Whether or not it's Noah's Ark is, is where the debate is, right? We don't have any proof today that this is Noah's Ark, and I wouldn't say it is 100%. It is interesting, though, and it's something to, to look and consider. Uh, geographically, it meets the location. But it's just incredible to me that they've discovered all of this and they found this. What I do know is this, is that when people reject God's word or they doubt it, and then they go out and they dig it up, they find it. It's incredible to me. Christians really like archaeology because, because they dig a little bit deeper, and oh my goodness, there it is. 
One of, one of the questions people have had for years is, well, is the story of Noah's Ark, is it a true story? Did it really happen? Or is it just a tale? Is it just a story that people told, uh, you know, for symbolism and things like that? Well, we believe that this is a true historical event that actually happened, that Noah's Ark actually... As a matter of fact, when you hear Jesus speak of this in Matthew, Jesus speaks of it as a historical event. He says it'll be like the days of Noah. Very specific. All of the specific sizes uh, that God instructs the ship to be built, the specificity of that and how specific it is um, would indicate that it is absolutely a true historical event that actually happened. And Jesus also speaks to it as a historical event. So uh, if Jesus says that it happened, then I'm going to say it really happened, right? And so uh, we're going to dive into this today uh, in, in, in detail. So go ahead and turn to your Bibles, Genesis chapter 7. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can go ahead and read up on the screen. We're going to have it there as well. Now remember, 120 years has gone by. 120, that's a long time. 120 years, Noah has been out and he's been working. And, uh, and God is going to now flood the earth and the Bible says he's going to blot out man. What's, uh, what's interesting to me is a lot of times when you talk to people about the story of Noah's Ark, people tend to judge God for it. People will judge God for flooding the earth. It's interesting. People do this. They're like, well, God, why would, you, why would you do that, God? Why would you flood the earth? Why would you wipe out all of these people, God? Why would you do it? And, and we judge God for it. Remember this is that people were living five, six, seven, eight, nine hundred plus years. It was evil everywhere all the time. There was murder. It was absolute chaos and destruction. One of the most unloving things God could do is sit back and not stop it. He could have sit back and I'm not going to do anything about this. Well, God is a loving God. He puts an end to this. And if God doesn't step in and if God doesn't put an end to it, then we're going to end ourselves. That's how it works. But I guess maybe the part that I'm most you know, curious about when, when people say that is, is you're judging God, but... He's the judge, not me. Who am I to judge God? Like, let's just break it down like that for just a moment. I'm going to judge. I'm going to judge God. That's cute. I'm going to judge God. Really? People do it all the time. People judge God's word all the time. People put God's word on trial all the time. Yeah, I'm gonna. I don't like what the I don't like what it says there. I don't like that the Bible says this. I don't like that it says that. And then people will form a theology to fit their lifestyle. I want to follow the things that I like, and I don't want to follow some of these things that might be a little bit challenging or might convict my spirit a little bit. And before we know it, what happens? We develop our own theologies and we become our own gods. Because ultimately, if I determine what I want to follow, then who's God? Who's God? Oh, I like that part, God, but I, eh, I don't know about that. Who's God? We live in a world, hear me on this today, everybody wants to be their own God. Everybody wants to be their own God. Everybody wants to make their own decisions. 
They judge God's word. I don't like that it says this. I don't like that it says that. The Bible is too, ah, the language, it's too binary. It's too heteronormative, right? These are the things that you hear people say all the time. It's, it's too, ah, ah, I just don't, ah. Listen, I'll just tell you straight up, okay? You can judge God's word all you want. You can put God on trial all you want. You can fight it all you want. You're picking a fight with an undefeated warrior who will not be mocked, who will not be judged by anyone for anything at any point of time. And so we have a decision to make. Either we can say, I'm going to submit to this holy God, and I'm going to submit to his word, and I'm going to follow his word, and I'm going to follow his way. At some point of our lives, what we have to do is we have to say, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to follow you. No matter what everyone around me does, God, I'm going to put my trust in you, and I'm going to follow you to the end, God. And, and, and there are people that are doing that today. There are people that have put their trust, put their faith, put their hope in Jesus Christ. They're saying, I'm going to follow you, Lord, even when it doesn't make sense. Genesis 7, this is what it says. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. I just, right off the bat, his whole family is there with him. His family's there with him. Remember, 120 years. He's building an ark in the middle of nowhere. He's in the desert. They haven't seen rain before. 120 years he's building, and his family stuck with him. Noah must have been a leader who led his family. Imagine all the noise that Noah heard. Imagine all the things that people were telling Noah as he's waking up day in and day out. Was every day a perfect day for Noah? No. Was Noah perfect? No. He's not Jesus. Noah's far from perfect. So what I'm not telling you today is that Noah lived this perfect, flawless life. We learned that later um, in Genesis, he's going to end drunk, naked in a tent. All right? This guy ain't perfect. He's not Jesus, okay? That's not the point. Because God uses imperfect people all the time. Are you grateful that God uses imperfect people who don't always have it together? Come on, are we a church that everybody has it all together all the time? No. We don't all have it all together all the time, but we're following a perfect God. And we're choosing to have a walk with him and a relationship with him. So he goes into, he says, go into the ark with, uh, with you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of all clean animals, the male and his mate and the pair of the animals that are not clean, the male and his mate, and seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, Keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And every living thing that I have made, I will blot out from the face of the ground. Here's the key. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. He did all that the Lord had commanded him. Not just some, not what he commanded himself to do. He did all that the Lord commanded him to do. In the midst of all the noise, everyone's telling him, don't do, oh man, what are you doing? This guy Noah, like he's over here building an ark. What are you doing, man? Like you're wasting 100, 120 years building an ark and it's never rained before? I mean, can you imagine the kind of ridicule Noah and his family, his sons, his wife and their wives? Can you imagine the kind of stuff that they heard from people? 
as he wakes up day in and day out and does what the Lord commanded him. Here's what I want to tell you here this morning is that in 2022, you are going to have times in your life where like Noah, you're going to have to stand for the things of God when nobody else is. There are going to come times in your life and points in your life where you have to make a bold stance and say, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to stand here. And even though everybody else is doing all of this and they think I'm crazy for living this way and having these values and standing on this promise and this word, we're going to stand for the Lord. And what everyone has to come to this conclusion in their life at one point or another is this. Am I going to live for the approval of men or am I going to live for the approval of God? And here's the point. When you meet your creator, it's not going to be a man. You're not going to stand before people who are like, why were you living this way? You're going to stand before your creator and you're going to give an account to him. So we don't live for the approval of people. If you're trying to live for the approval of people and God simultaneously, your life is going to be a roller coaster. Up and down, up and down, up and down. I've got one foot in the world and I've got one foot in the word. I'm on the fence, living on the fence. The Bible says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all your heart. See, Noah had a trust in the Lord. He knew where his trust was. His trust wasn't in the world. His trust was in the Lord. The key word is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not half your heart. A lot of people do that. Oh, I trust in God, but I also trust in this. No, you've got to fully get to the place where you say, I'm giving God all of my heart. I can't have one foot on the rock and one foot in the sand. I'm not going to get anywhere in life that way. If I have one foot on the rock and one foot in the sand, I'm going to sink. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. When you lean on something, what are you doing when you're leaning on that? You're, what's happening there? If I'm leaning on something like this table, like let's say this is my understanding. And if I'm leaning on my understanding, I am reliant and dependent on my understanding to keep me from falling. So many people are relying on their understanding to keep them from falling. They're leaning on their understanding, building our lives on our understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. And what does it say? Sam, do you have Proverbs? Could you pull it up for us real quick? The next Proverbs. What does it say? In all your ways acknowledge him. So I'm not leaning on my own understanding. I'm acknowledging him in everything. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what's the promise? He will make straight your paths. Come on, can we just praise God for that here this morning? That's the promise. That's the promise. That's God's word, that he will make straight your paths. Come on, that's a promise that God gives. But, but what it's dependent on is you not being dependent on yourself, but you putting your dependency in him. Some of you today, right now, you need to dig deep down within yourself and you need to uproot your dependency because you've been relying on your own intellect, your own knowledge, your own degrees, your own whatever for far too long and it's time. Those things are good. Nothing wrong with that. But you need to put your full trust, your full dependency in the Lord and in his word. You need to build your house on the rock, not on the sand. 
He did all the Lord commanded him to do. All the Lord commanded him to do. Not just some. Not just what he felt like. And I'm sure there were some days that he was like, I don't. Woo! I don't want to get up and deal with these people. I don't want to have to cut down this wood and, man, deal with the ridicule and the judgment and the, the things that people are going to tell me. This is, see, this is the story for our lives. I don't want to deal with all that. It's just easier just to conform to the world. That's why Scripture it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world. We're not, we as the church, as followers of Jesus, are not to conform to the patterns of the way the world operates, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do I do all the Lord has commanded me to do? That's the question. If we're going to say, are we doing all the Lord has commanded us to do? Well, how do, how do we do that? Well, first, you've got to know his voice. You've got to know his voice. If you don't know his voice, then what are you listening to and what are you giving ear to? Then it brings another question. Well, how do I know his voice? You know his word. You know his voice. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit brings remembrance of all things. When you fill your mind with God's word, you flood out the lies of the enemy. When you fill your mind with God's word, you flood out the lies of the enemy. To be transformed by the renewing of my mind means I need to get in his presence. It means church is more than Sunday. It means that a relationship with God is more than showing up on a Sunday morning. A relationship with God is pursuing him in your everyday. And practically speaking, I like to get practical. Let me just break this down for you. It means that in our busy lives, we have to set aside time to get in the presence of the Lord. I've got to make it a priority. I've got to make it a priority in my life. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to get up a little bit earlier because if I don't get up a little earlier, I'm going to be late for work and I'm just going to be running. You see what I'm saying? We've got to do, we've got to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. It means I've got to practically, I've got to make time. I've got to get in God's presence. I've got to know his word. I've got to read the word. I don't want to find myself reliant on a Sunday morning sermon solely. I want to be filling up during the week. And when you learn the language of God, then you hear his voice. When you know his language, you'll know his voice. I've had people tell me before, I don't know if uh, it's the voice of, I don't know if God's leading me to do this. What, 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 what is it? Well, you know, there was this lady in the grocery store and, you know, she didn't have enough money. And I felt like something was telling me, but, you know, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell if it was God's voice. Let me just tell you, it's not Satan telling you to, to give her money and pay for her groceries. Like, it's not... You see what I'm saying? Like, it's not that hard. Like, you don't have to discern if that's God's voice. <laughs> Am I supposed to help this family that's, you know, that's with groceries this week, who's going through a hard time, who's struggling? I don't think the devil is telling you to do that. You just don't. Yes, please, bless that family. Get them groceries. No. Discern God's voice. But if you know his word, you'll know his voice. And you'll hear his voice clearly. And then the Holy Spirit will quicken your spirit. When you live a life led by the Holy Spirit, you live your life led by the Holy Spirit, I'm choosing to follow his spirit. 
I'm choosing to be led by the Holy Spirit, a spirit-filled life. It's not just a church-going life. It's not just a Sunday morning, get up, take the kids to church, although that is very important, and it's very important for your kids, too. It's a spirit-filled, everyday decision. I'm going to wake up, and I'm going to listen for the voice of the Lord. And it's a choice. And we all have a choice. Every one of us, we have a choice. Are we going to live in the way of the Lord? Are we going to walk in the way of the Lord? Are we going to raise children to walk with the Lord? It's choices. God gives us a choice. Noah did all that God commanded him to do. Here's one thing that I know is that, I was thinking about this earlier this week, God doesn't just bless our plan for our lives, he blesses his plan for our lives. God doesn't just bless our plan for our lives, he blesses his plan for our lives. Make his plan your plan. His plan is better. His plan is better. Your plan might seem good. You haven't seen anything yet until you've seen God's plan. His plan is better. His ways are better. His ways are higher than our ways. God sees our end from our beginning. So many people, they have a death grip on their plans. I'm not letting go of my way. I'm not going to let go of my plan. You should let go of your plan because God's way is better. It's his plan. I want to make his plan my plan. I want his plan for my life. I want his plan for my children. I want his plan for my family. I want his plan for my marriage. It's not my plan. It's, it's his plan. But you have to surrender control of your way. It's not always the easiest thing to let go of my way and say, I'm going to fully step in your way. It's a trust. It's a trust in the Lord with all your heart. And some people here today, that's the step you need to take. Lord, I'm going to trust you in this season that we're walking in. I'm going to trust. I'm going to choose to trust you. It's something me and, me and Hadley have been going with. Many of you know my son Judah. We found out he was on the spectrum for autism. And when we got that news, we were initially, we were just like, oh, my goodness. And we were shaking. We're like, what are we going to do? And it was just difficult, challenging. Just going through seasons of, God, why does this happen? Have you all ever been there before? We say, God, why? It's a trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, not half. Not like, I'm going to give you a little bit, God, and I'm not going to give you. It's a full trust in the Lord. Fully trust in him. I want to encourage some of you today. That's the step for you right now in your spirit. You need to say, God, I'm going to do that. Because you can hear this message today and you can, you can hear what we're saying. You can hear the word. But if you don't do it, if you don't take any action towards it, it's a trust. You've got to step in and say, God, I'm committing my life to you. I'm fully trusting you. Whatever the situation is, there's people in here today, you're battling something. You're going through a difficult season. You're battling. You're going through a trial, maybe a challenge that you didn't prepare for or you didn't plan for, whatever the case may be. And I just feel the voice of the Lord is wanting to speak to you here today and say, trust in me. Put all of your dependence in me. Lean into me. His way is better. It goes on to say, he was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives, they all went with them into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Of clean animals and of animals that are not clean and birds and everything that creeps on the ground. Two 
And two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah, as God had commanded Noah. And after seven days, the waters of the flood came upon the earth. You hear that language, it's very similar to Genesis chapter 1, the two and two, male and female. It's paralleling Genesis 1. In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on that day, very specific, speaks to the historical event of the flood. All the fountains of the great deep burst forth, and the windows of heaven were opened, and rain fell upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And on the very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, Japheth, and Noah's wife, and their three wives of his sons, with him entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind, all the livestock according to their kinds, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two, of all the flesh in which there was breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him. And here's the key I want you to see in verse 16. The Lord shut him in. Now, here's the thing. Very specifically, God tells them how to build this ark. He tells them 300 cubits. He gives all the dimensions, does it, tells them everything they need to do to design this ark so that it's going to float. It's interesting to me how the Lord shuts the door. The Lord shuts the door. He could have very easily instructed Noah, you need to put a pulley up there, you know, get a pulley system of some sorts, get a rope, and you're going to shut the door of the ark. But the Bible literally says, the Lord closed the door. And here's what I want you to know today. And you're here in person, you need to hear this, or maybe somebody's online watching this at a later time, or whatever the case may be. The Bible says in Hebrews that it's appointed every man to die at one point. One day. And the Lord will close the door. There will come a day when the Lord closes the door on your life. Nobody likes to talk about this. All of these people, they, they, they had 120 years. They're living, they're doing their own thing. Jesus says, it'll be like the days of Noah. And he goes on to say, what are they doing? They're marrying. They're, they're, uh, they're drinking. They're going out for drinks. I mean, they're just, you know, living their life, racking up debt, doing whatever. Like the days we're in right now. Just living their lives so it will be in the last day. Like the days of Noah. But one day the Lord will close the door on your life. Nobody likes to talk about this. But I tell you this because I love you. And I care. And this is, this is, this is the truth. That at your final breath, the opportunity of salvation ends. The opportunity for salvation will end when you take your last breath. And you will stand face to face with your creator. You will stand before God. I, I presume that the people, when the water started flooding, the rain started falling, they were running up to the ark, beating on the door to let it open. And it will not be opened. We have the opportunity. You have the opportunity here today to accept Christ. See, Jesus is your ark. You are saved in Christ, through Christ, by him. Jesus is your ark. And I just feel to say this today, I think there are people here and you're like, I had a relationship with God and 
but you're like, I've just kind of held on to someone else's relationship. My parents, my grandparents, someone, I've kind of held on to the coattails of them. And have I really, really, myself, sought a relationship with God? doesn't matter how old you are here, young, older. Have you truly sought a personal relationship with our Lord Jesus? Because there is a day when the door will shut. There is a day where Jesus will return. And he's going to judge the living and the dead. And you'll give an account for your life and you'll stand before your creator. And you'll hear two things. One, one of two. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Come on in. Or depart from me, I never knew you. The Bible goes on to say that, didn't we cast out demons in your name, God? Didn't we prophesy in your name? I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. I'm not saying this to you today, to try to stir you up or make you worried or anything like that. I'm telling you what God's word says. And I love you enough to tell you that there will come a day where it's you and him. And you will look to him face to face. And your mom's not going to hold your hand. Your dad's not going to hold your hand. It's going to be you and the Lord. And so I want to do this today. If you could bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to give you the opportunity here this morning to accept Jesus. <clears throat> because we all need Jesus. It's not just you. We all need Jesus. We've all wronged him. We've all done wrong. Not one of us is perfect. Every one of us has to humble ourselves and come to the foot of the cross and accept him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And no one comes to the Father but through Him. And I believe I'm here today and I'm sharing this with you. And the Lord wants to speak this to you here this morning. Today's your day. You need to step into the ark. You need to accept Jesus. You need to turn. You need to repent from your old ways. And you need to say, today I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to choose to follow you. I know I've lived the life I've lived. I've done all this Ah, I've messed up. I've made so many mistakes. But he loves you. And Jesus died for you. He didn't just die for the good people. He died for all of us. And then he rose again to eternal life so that we could be saved. It's faith in him and him alone. I want to pray a prayer here this morning, and I would love for the whole church, the whole congregation, to pray along with me here this morning. If you're watching this at a later time and you're online, pray this out loud with us. I would ask that you'd pray this. It's, there's no special prayer. It's nothing like that. It's an acknowledgement that I'm taking a step of faith. It's not the power necessarily in the prayer. It's a heart posture. And it's you saying, I want to accept Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. So church, can we pray this out loud all together? Just everyone say this with me. Lord Jesus... I know I've sinned. I know I've fallen short. But today is a new day. I give you my life. I repent of my sins. And I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. 
Come into my life. Make me whole again. Today, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I choose to live for you for all the days of my life. In Jesus' name.